Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Welcome, Koinonia. Welcome in the house. Welcome those of you connecting with us online this morning. We are the church. And isn't it good to worship together? Isn't it good to worship together? Yeah, it is good to worship together. It is good to connect uh, in our community and lift up the, the, our voices to the one and only God and declare that he is Lord. How are you feeling this week? Have you been feeling uh, perhaps a little bumped and bruised by the, the bouncing back and forth of news announcements? For those of us here in Ontario, I know there's some of you who are connecting uh, from Saskatchewan, Alberta, B.C., but for those of us in Ontario, yeah, we did a lot of bouncing around this week and trying to figure out where things are going, how do we contain this pandemic, how do we walk out life and care for one another? And it's interesting, I wanted to ask you, what shape are you in this morning? (laughs) You might interpret that as what condition, Uh, but spring is often a time when we get in shape, isn't it? When we get a little bit more exercise, when we get out, because we haven't perhaps been exercising, hibernating through the winter. But we are looking this, in this series of studying Ephesians, and we're asking God to reshape us by his gospel truth, by his plan and his message. Have you thought about your shape recently? <laughs> Have you, maybe you don't want to think about your shape. Have you thought about your spiritual shape? And I would encourage you to bring it to God and say, God, well, we're going to study your truths that you gave to this church in the city of Ephesus. I invite you to reshape me. Father, come and do that. So today is week number two. And we're coming to Ephesians chapter one. I did the intro week last Sunday. And if you didn't connect it, you can go back and see it. It's online and it'll give you context of who the letter was written to, who was written by, What was the situation in the city of Ephesus? How does it relate to us today? Go back and see the message from from last week because it unpacks so much to get us ready to hear God's heart message. His heart is in this letter to the Ephesians. We also will read about all that God accomplished at the cross through Christ Jesus. That's in this letter. We're also going to cue into how the Holy Spirit will empower us to make living life possible right now. See, God's truth is timeless, right? It applies to the people in the days of Ephesus. And if it's God's truth is timeless, it still applies to us here and now today. And so that's why we're going to pick up this letter. But you might look at it and say, okay, wait a sec, though. If this is a letter entitled Ephesians, and it was written uh, almost 2,000 years ago, how could it be possibly relevant for 2021? But those of you who heard last week heard me say that the people this letter was written to faced very similar human temptations that we do today. They were just as human as you and I. You heard me say that this letter that was written to, these people were under a lot of religious pressure. 
There are 14 different temples in the city of Ephesus. There was lots of pressure of which one to go to. They weren't all worshiping the same God. They were worshiping many gods. And then you also would have heard me say that there was a government that not only was strict and forceful, but the government wanted to be worshipped. <laughs> the emperor wanted to be seen as a god. Talk about pressure. I do think God's word has something to relate for us of how we walk out life, victory in Christ, here and now today. I believe this letter to the Ephesians is so relevant for us to find life and victory today. So that's why we as a church are going to take some time in it and unpack it in over a number of weeks. What do I hope for as we study this book? My hope is that you will be touched by the love of Christ in a fresh new way. My hope for us is that you would have a clearer grasp of the love of Christ and a connection with the Holy Spirit that would strengthen your whole life. That's my hope for you. You can make that your own prayer and invite God to do that in your life. You see, because we're not going to focus on how many times you attend church, how many times you go online to our website, how many times you join an online service. That's not what it's about. We're not watching for that. What we're looking for to encourage you in is, do you know God's Son, Jesus Christ? And does He make a difference in your life through what He's accomplished on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit that is provided to work right within you here and now? So today, open up your hard copy, if you got a hard copy, or grab out your digital copy. And uh, because I want you to see something that's very unique, you're going to see something in, in your English version that is different than the original Greek version of this letter. We're going to look at chapter 1, and specifically verses 3 through 14, all right? Chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, those are 12 verses, but get this, in the Greek language, it is one sentence, Those 12 verses in the Greek is one sentence. And so in this text or this sentence, you're going to see Paul, the author of the letter, his masterful working and writing to not only handle the Greek language, but to communicate the heart and plan of God all in one sentence. Guess what I'm about to do? Read those 12 verses as if they're one sentence. Are you ready? Here we go. And I'm reading from the ESV version, English Standard Version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, 
to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, whom you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of an inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Did you get it all? (laughs) Did you get it? Yeah, that is a good word. Now, some of you students in the house might be saying, wait a second, my English teacher says that's a run-on sentence. (laughs) Well, in some cases, you might think it is, but you need to get into the study of the depth of the Greek to realize it's not a run-on. It's actually a continuous thought tying together everything that God has done to bring us salvation from his heart through his son at the cross and is realized in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's communicating to these believers in Ephesus. Can you see its relevance for us today? I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the accomplished work of the cross. Let's lean into some of these verses this morning and see exactly what Paul was unpacking in his phrases and in in this chapter, the first half of just chapter 1. Chapter 1 here, verse 3, he starts off by with praise. Praise be to God. Praise and thanks to our God through Jesus Christ. Because God has done something for us. Well, Paul said he's blessed us. He's blessed us with blessings in the heavenly realms. Paul's introducing that our blessings, because of our relationship with God, are not just something that we can only experience here on earth, but there's something cosmic. There's something outside of this realm, the heavenly realms, that connects with the earthly realm right inside of us by the presence of God and what he's done. He said, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So if you are wanting to discover what this blessing about, what, what God, Paul is talking about of God, you need to put your faith in Christ to fully realize it. You can read it and study it, but it's not until you accept it and embrace it that it's realized within you. Paul uses the words uh, benefits, um, heavenly realms of spiritual blessing. The Greek word is pneumatikos. And it means spiritual blessings, something that's beyond this world. It's not something that's just tangible. It's something that's delivered by the Spirit of God and connects with our spirit. It's something that's communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. This is why a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is so important so that you can realize and experience all that God's heart intends for you. That's why we encourage a relationship with God is not attending a service. It's not singing a song. It's not just whether you opened your Bible this week. Uh, the, The expression of our faith in God is all about our relationship with him. Being in relationship with a father who loves you, a son who died for you, 
and the Spirit who's going to make it all understandable for you. Come to verse 4. Oh, I like verse 4. Verse 4, he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight even before he created the world. That might be a little bit mind-blowing for some of you. But God in his heart and mind started at the very beginning thinking about us. It was like God was saying something like this. I want to have relationships. I want to create people. I want to make people that I can have a relationship. I want to make them like me, make them in my image. And I can make them holy, blameless, and righteous. That's what God had his intent, I believe, in his heart and mind. That's what Paul's capturing and communicating to us. He chose us because he wanted us to experience holiness be guilt-free, lifted all blame, lifted off of us. And he was thinking about this from the very beginning of his thoughts toward creation. Now, verse 5. He still decided to go forward with this in love. In love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Let me carry on the dialogue of God here. I could see him saying, well, I will make them in this way through my love. I will predestine them. And then God pauses and thinks, that's a big word. Bit of a mystery. Uh, Let me say it this way. I am love. And I will mark it out ahead of time that I will choose every person who receives my son and I will adopt them as my very own. That's what God was communicating to us. That's what Paul was capturing and delivering to us. That God desires to have you as his own, to be a part of his family, to be in relationship with him. He said, for all of you who choose my son, then I choose and will receive you. God is adopting us into his family. And this is a concept that's captured here as called sonship. And it's not talking about adopting you as a boy, so girls who are listening in. It's not making you as boys. The concept of sonship is receiving you as family. The Father wants to receive every one of us as family. And God continued, verse 6. His dialogue might sound like this. In fact... It is my pleasure to receive all who choose me. I will do this out of my glorious grace that I'm going to give to you freely through my son whom I love. Or as your translation might have said, through the beloved, the loved one. That's Jesus that God is referring to. Now this morning, have you heard me say the phrase in Christ at least more than once? (laughs) Paul is really trying to communicate this. In Christ appears 11 times in Ephesians. It appears 164 times in Paul's other letters that he's written. It's a a fact, a truth that he really wants to get through to us, that God is doing something in Christ for you. He wants to make sure you get that. Now let me illustrate these verses 4, 5, and 6 
that I've been highlighting. Though some of the work of God is a bit of a mystery, we're trying to figure it out, and how did he think ahead of time, and he put it there, and he planned this. The understanding of this, Rebecca and I um, began to have a deeper understanding of this concept when God began to stir something in our hearts. After we had three kids, after our third child was born, Clara, we knew that our family wasn't finished yet. And so we went to God and said, God, what does this mean? What's this feeling? The sense that our family isn't finished yet. We did believe that we were done having children naturally by birth, but our family just wasn't complete yet. So as we began to pray about that, something else was stirring more and more within us. And what God began to stir in our hearts was something that is in his heart. And that was to adopt a child and invite them to be a part of our family. And so we did this. We began to grow in love as we prayed toward, God, who is this child that you want to add to our family? God, what is this you have in mind? And as we prayed and waited and investigated, talked to adoption agencies and looked at countries, God just kept growing something within our hearts. And if you know some of our story, you've heard parts of this before of just what God called us to do to let go of some comforts and some things that we had in our possession to embrace a dream and a desire that was on his heart that he wanted us to realize on our hearts. And so we began to walk out this process. We chose a child. We, in the process, we chose and said, yes, we agree to this. We made the decision as well to love this child even before we knew him. We made the decision to love this child even actually before he was born. God put it on our hearts. So we didn't know who this was going to be. But as you can see, that God does things in advance in his heart, so it's not surprising he does it in our hearts. For an adopted child, if you, any of you here are listening in are adopted, if you've been adopted by earthly parents, this may appear kind of mysterious. How could somebody possibly love me before they even know me? But for the adopting parents, there is a love, a dream, and a desire to extend the gracious gift of love and life, to reach out and accept someone and draw them in to your world, your family, your entire life, your everything. It's something that God stirs within us because it's something that comes from his heart as well. I believe this is what God felt and did for us even before he created us. Now, if that blows your mind, I want you to think about that speaks more about who God is than what you're capable of thinking about, okay? God chose us and loved us even in advance of all things. It didn't matter to God what our adoption would cost. Think about that. It didn't matter to God how long our adoption would take. It actually didn't even remember matter to God if in the adoption of us whether we would love him in return or not that didn't matter to God when he was planning creation and to give us the gift of his son with the hope that we would respond back to him and love him in return now if you are a child who has been adopted by earthly parents 
I want you to hear what I'm saying. I believe God put something inside of your parents who chose you that was in his heart when he chose us. Adoption idea and passion comes from the heart of the Father. That's why it's something that we can't totally understand, but we can see that it is something from God. Adoption first started with God. Isn't that awesome? But let me tell you more about what God has done. Verse 7. In verse 7, it reveals, you can see it before you on the screen or in your text, it reveals that he has given us redemption and forgiveness. These are two of his riches in glory, his riches of God's grace. You're going to hear that phrase repeated numerous times in Ephesians as well, so watch for it. But part of his riches of God's grace is his redemption and forgiveness that he offers to us. As we look at these, redemption is we are redeemed and bought back. Adoption has been finalized through the blood of Jesus. That was the price that was paid to adopt us, was the life of his son. The blood of his son had the value to accept us. And then the other word is forgiveness. Forgiveness, redemption and forgiveness fit in together. Forgiveness of all sin In my text, it says, of all sins. So not only our condition of sin, being sinful, but also our actions and activity of sinfulness. God chose to give us, grant us, forgiveness of all sins. The Greek word is aphasis. Let me say it again. Aphasis. What does that sound like to you when you hear me say it? The Greek word for forgiveness is aphasis. Doesn't it sound like the title of this book? To who the recipients are of Ephesus? So when you think about Ephesus, I want you to think about God's Ephesus, forgiveness for these people and for us. Now let me return to the adoption scenario for a moment in the context of God's riches of his glorious grace. When we, the parents who are adopting choose a child, it doesn't matter to us what that child's previous history was like. It doesn't matter to us what their family lineage was filled with, good or bad. It doesn't matter what their home or orphanage situation looked like. We don't attach the child to their past, but we receive them in the present and get ready to love on them. Think about that in the connection of God for you. God isn't concerned with your past, with what your family has a propensity toward. What God is concerned in is the present. And he's offered you his love, and if you will receive it, he will receive you in abundance. And I believe this is what Paul is attempting to communicate what God has done for every one of us. Come to verse 8. Verse 8, we get more of God's riches. He talks about wisdom and understanding. God wants to grant that. He actually wants to lavish it on us with with love and understanding. Verse 9 and 10, and I'm going to keep us moving through here in this one sentence text. 9 and 10, he, he, God has made known the mystery of what is to be known through Christ. I'm summarizing it down. 
you read it in its entirety. God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. He's made it known to us so that we can understand. And it's for us that he'll make this mystery known. And if you're still grappling with it, that is okay. But what I want you to know is God has given us his counselor, his comforter, the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear about him at the end of this sentence, the whole sentence, and how the Spirit is given to us to bring us to understanding, to wisdom and, and understanding. He made the mystery known to us through Christ, verses 9 and 10 reveal. It's through Christ again, so that this is why it's emphasized that we need to stay in relationship with Christ so we can experience that wisdom and understanding. One scholar said it this way, From all eternity, the Father cherished in his own mind a plan that was carried out in Christ. You see, God had been thinking about how to adopt us, the price that we've paid, and he planned that ahead, that his son's sacrifice would be enough for us. It is a mystery, but the Spirit can make it understandable in our hearts and in our spirits. Keep coming. Verse 11. In God, we were also chosen. In God, we were also chosen. Take time today, please, to read the rest of the verses that I'm not referring to because the fullness of this context just presses the points down. In God, we were all chosen. Having been marked out ahead of time, it was his plan so that God works out everything in conformity to his purpose and will. Are you starting to understand that God was thinking way ahead of time about you before you ever thought about God as he wanted to draw you into his family. Come to verse 12. Verse 12, God plan begins to keep talking about that his love is not only for the Jews, but also for the non-Jews. His plan, his hope, his gospel of salvation is for everyone who would receive it. It's not limited to just those who could get in in time, those who had a, an um, esteemed upbringing in life. Uh, it's not just for where, those who were born in a certain part of the country or world. The gospel, the good news about Jesus, the salvation of your soul is for all people. Yeah. Now come to verse 13, the second half of it. Introduction of the Holy Spirit. Once you decide to believe in Christ and receive him, you are marked with a seal, which is the promised Holy Spirit. I want you to picture that moment. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, when you said yes to Jesus, that the Father then just put his hand on you, like marking you with a seal, like a hot press with warm ink or wax, and he put his stamp on you to say, I love you, you're mine. I choose you, I receive you. This was all part of God's plan. And one day, he wants to bring us all together for the biggest adopted, loved-on family reunion that you could ever imagine. Actually, it's going to be bigger than you imagine, Scripture says. 
So let me bring our message together this morning. What do you do now? Well, you can go home and try and read these 12 verses in one sentence. Go ahead, try it. It's actually kind of fun to do. You can try and conceive the fullness of God's plan and heart in this one sentence. But what I want to encourage you to do is keep is, is where to keep your focus, where to keep your eyes. I'm a part of a study group right now, and we're studying the book of Ephesians to get these messages ready for us to press into. And while we're studying them this week, one of the team members summarized Paul's purpose of these verses in chapter 1. And, and this team member said, it's like Paul's telling us to focus on what we have in Christ. Because where we look is where we're going to go. Now, Dwayne Harder, some of you know of Pastor Dwayne. Dwayne Harder, who's one of our apostolic elders and leaders here at Koinonia, Dwayne's part of this study group. And immediately, Dwayne responded and said, exactly, that's the law of cybernetics. <laughs> and I'm like, right, Dwayne, we all know what that is. <laughs> but Dwayne said, no, yeah, it's, it's where you look is where you will go. The, the Greek word for cybernetics actually comes from, reveals the word to steer. Where you steer is where you're going to go. And immediately this thought struck me as we're in the study group talking about it. I'm like, oh, I remember being taught this when I took a motorcycle course at Conestoga College. And I remember the instructor saying you are to look around the curve. You're to look where you want to go because where you look is where your motorcycle will go and follow you. He said, if you look down, guess where you're going to go? <laughs> and so, of course, as a student, you got to practice and try this. So, so I'm like, nah, he can't be serious. Whoa, whoa, you know, we almost tip over. But then as you watch and you look around a curve as you're accelerating, your bike naturally follows your eyes where you're going to go. Try it on a snowboard, a motorcycle. Try it maybe while you're walking. <laughs> see, see where your balance is. The law of cybernetics reveals where we focus is where we're going to go. So Paul is saying focus on what you have in Christ. Because if you focus on what God has done for you through Christ, then you're going to begin to live out and experience that. And the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside as your advocate, and he's going to empower you to make this kind of life possible for you. Do you hear what I'm talking about? So where are you going to be looking this week? Rhetorical question. Where is your focus going to be today? What about as this week unfolds before us? What if this week is as crazy and uncertain as last week? You see, as followers of God, we're not to be formed by our circumstances or by what's going on around us. We are to be shaped and to walk by faith, not by sight. We are to keep our focus on God in the Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can guide us as we manage and maneuver through life. Now, if you have an ongoing conversation with Dwayne, Dwayne will tell you more about the law of cybernetics. And he will say there's something really cool in this law is there's a cycle so that if you get your focus off of where it should be, the law of cybernetics will, will recycle and you got the opportunity to look back and focus your faith on what is true and real from God again. 
You are not a lost cause. Put your eyes back on Jesus and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through another week. Oh, wait. I'm going to focus on you. And as I focus on you, you are by your spirit going to enable me in my mind, will, and emotion to live out of victory, not uncertainty. To live in life, not in death. To live with faith, not with fear. Do you believe that the plan of God is for you? I can't force you to believe that. That's something you have to decide yourself. Do you believe the work of Christ speaks powerfully enough to transform even your circumstances that you have in life? To help you overcome the temptations that are before you? Do you believe that in receiving God's Son, that the Spirit will then put a seal of life for all eternity so you can experience the love of God? My hope, Paul's hope, is we would embrace the fullness of God's heart for each one of us. Let's pause right now and take a few moments and just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you want to say to me from your word today? Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.